Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. Well, welcome back to our series called Scandal, where we are looking at the greatest scandal to ever take place, and it's the killing of Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we have seen how the Jewish leaders plotted to kill Jesus. Uh, the ones who were supposed to be the moral group were acting in immorality. Those who, who were supposed to protect life were plotting to take a life. Last week we saw Judas, one of the twelve, one of Jesus' best friends, his inner circle, approached the chief priests and the teachers of the law asking how much? How much for me to hand him over to you to betray Jesus? Judas got 30 pieces of silver to sell out Jesus. And the thing with the, the Jewish leaders plotting to kill Jesus and, and Judas handing him over was that they weren't just going after an innocent man. They were going after God himself. They were plotting and betraying God. Plotting to kill God and betraying God himself. From that moment on, Judas looked for the opportune time to hand Jesus over. And he found it. The night of Maundy Thursday into Good Friday morning, uh, Jesus went out to Gethsemane to pray. Jesus and his disciples had been in the upper room already. They had celebrated the Passover. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. Uh, Jesus announced that one of them would betray him. And then he taught them many things. You can read all about that from John 15 to John 17, all the things that Jesus taught his disciples uh, the night before he died. From there, they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed. His disciples fell asleep. Three times, Jesus came back and said, are you, are you sleeping? Watch and pray. And after the third time, Jesus said, time to get up. Here comes my betrayer. And that's what we're going to pick up today. We're going to look at the arrest of Jesus. Uh, and we're going to look at three questions here. Why operate in the darkness? Why, why are the Jewish leaders and, and Judas coming at night in the cover of darkness? Number two, what's the problem with operating in the darkness? And three, why live in the light? Those are the three things we're going to answer today. We're in Matthew chapter 26. Here's what we are told. While he was still speaking, that's Jesus still speaking to his disciples about watching and praying, get up, here comes my betrayer. While he's still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi. I kissed him. Jesus replied, 
Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father, and, at, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? In that hour, Jesus said to the crowd, Am I leading a rebellion, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat at the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Judas leads the crowd out to get Jesus as if he's some violent criminal in the middle of the night. They are armed with swords and clubs. How many men does Judas lead out? Well, there's probably the temple guard for sure. Uh, there's the Jewish leaders. And then there's probably Roman soldiers mixed involved too. Uh, Jerusalem in the Passover brought uh, all kinds of, of Jewish people to Jerusalem for that Passover festival. And what the uh, Romans knew about the Jews was that they didn't like the Romans. And there was always a threat of a riot, of some kind of uprising. And so the Romans stationed Roman soldiers in Jerusalem. And so the Jewish leaders probably brought Roman soldiers with them because they're going out acting like Jesus is some violent criminal that needs to be arrested. And so they go out to arrest Jesus with swords and clubs as if he's the beast from Beauty and the Beast. They get their clubs, they get their swords, and let's go out, we're going to get this violent criminal, and Jesus is just standing there. He doesn't try to fight. He doesn't go anywhere. Do you, can you imagine the disciples' faces as they see Judas on the other side? Yes, in the upper room, Jesus had announced that one of them would betray him. Yes, Judas got up and left, but now they are seeing it with their eyes. Judas is on the other side. I picture that their sleepy eyes are now wide awake and their mouths have dropped open as they can't believe Judas is over there. How long had he been walking the walk, talking the talk, and yet in his heart was hiding a dark secret? In his heart, bitterness, greed, hatred took root and grew like mold in the corners until it eventually took over his whole heart, living in the darkness. And then you've got the Jewish leaders who have come out in the cover of night. Why in the darkness? Jesus brings up a good point. I've been in the temple. Why didn't you arrest me then? Because of one very big reason. The people. The people were all tucked in their beds sleeping. The people loved Jesus. The people would have rioted if they knew this was happening. But they act in the cover of darkness 
Because by the time the people wake up in the morning, they can have some crime attached to Jesus that justified them acting in the darkness, that justified the arrest of Jesus. What was so important to the Jewish leaders? Maintain our reputation with the people, but also satisfy the darkness in our heart. Maintain our image with the people, but get away with what is in our hearts. It's pretty scandalous, isn't it? It's pretty hypocritical. Uh, The Jewish leaders want to maintain this reputation, this image, this face in front of the people, but behind closed doors, behind the cover of darkness, they act like immoral leaders. They're plotting to kill a man, and they do it in the cover of darkness when no one else is around. They satisfy that dark desire. And we sit and we shake our heads, and yet, how often do we do the same thing? How often do we do the same thing? It's your first point today. We have all acted in the cover of darkness. I know I have. And I'm assuming you have too because you're a sinful human being like me. And so what is it for you? What is it for you that you would never be caught doing in the light, but in the cover of darkness you participate in? What is it for you that if people were around, you, no one would ever catch you doing that or saying that, but behind the uh, closed doors of your house, when no one else is around, you say it, you do it. What is it for you that, it, that if people could read your thoughts like a text message thread, you would never be caught thinking, dreaming about? But because it's in the cover of your head, the cover of darkness, so to speak, you let yourself think about it, meditate on it, daydream about it. Is it, behind closed doors, you yell and scream at your family? Is it behind closed doors, in the cover of your heart and your mind, You're filled with all kinds of judgmental thoughts of how much better you are than them. Is it pride and arrogance? Is it gossip? Is it lust? What are the dark things that you do when no one else is looking? What is it that you do that you would never be caught doing if other people were around and knew about it? You see, we're kind of just like these leaders. We want to maintain our reputation with people, and so we act one way in front of them, but then behind closed doors we justify the dark deeds that we do, and we participate in the darkness that is found in our hearts. Because that's what they're doing, isn't it? They want to maintain face, and that's what we want. We want that good reputation, and so we act one way, but when no one else is looking, we gratify and satisfy the desires of the darkness of our heart. 
Do you want to know the problem, though, with operating in the darkness? Why do we operate in the darkness? Because we think we can get away with it. And that's what the Jewish leaders thought, too. But do you know the problem? It's your second point. We may be able to fool the public, but we can't fool Jesus. What does Jesus say? Verse 55. Am I leading a rebellion? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. In, in Luke's account of it, he says, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. Jesus is not fooled. We can fool the public. The leaders could fool the public, but Jesus calls them out. I've been in the temple courts, but you did not arrest me. Why? And Jesus knows the answer. It's because the people were there. And they would have judged the Jewish leaders. And isn't that true for us? Why do we act in the darkness? Because we think we can get away with it, and yet Jesus knows. He knows our hearts. He reads your thoughts. He sees the dark deeds done behind closed doors. He sees how you come to church on Sunday morning and you act all moral, but behind closed doors, you're living a completely immoral life. He sees how you come to church and you honor him with your lips, but behind closed doors, the gossip just spews out like it can't be contained. He sees how you, how you look in public like you have the perfect marriage, and yet behind closed doors, there's arguing and there's fighting and there's websites clicked on that you should never click on. Jesus sees it all. And we can fool the public, but we can't fool Jesus. He sees it. He knows it. He sees you in the cover of darkness when no one else sees you. He reads your hearts when no one else can read it. He sees it all. With these Jewish leaders, should we be surprised? Should we be surprised that they're acting this way? To be honest, not really. They don't believe in Jesus as their Savior. And when you don't believe in Jesus as your Savior and don't humbly allow God to correct your hearts, the sinful nature can do anything. You want to talk about something scandalous, though. How about Christians who say they believe in Jesus out in public, but then act like non-Christians behind closed doors? That's pretty scandalous. Jesus knows. He knows our hearts. He sees the cover of darkness what we do behind closed doors. He sees it all. And do you know the problem with being, with participating in the dark deeds behind closed doors, in the darkness of our hearts and minds? It's consuming. The darkness of sin is consuming. It's, it's problematic on many fronts. It's problematic because you carry the weight of guilt. That behind closed doors, the, the devil gets you to believe that it'll be okay if you just do this, and then you do it, and you carry that guilt. You're, you're filled with anxiety because you're afraid that people are going to find out that you're an imposter. That the way you say you live is not actually how you live. You're, you get confused, worried, fearful. And not to mention, what does sin do? 
It consumes to the point of snuffing out light. It can even snuff out the light of our faith if we continue to participate in the dark deeds done behind closed doors. We may think they're small little sins, but as small little sins continue to grow, the darkness begins to grow until it consumes our entire hearts and we're cut off from Jesus. Why do we operate in darkness? Because we think we can get away with it and maintain our reputations. Why is it problematic? Because Jesus knows. He knows. Tucked in, in all of this overwhelming darkness in the Garden of Gethsemane is a a truth found in here that seems like no big deal. It almost seems like a a, a toss-away event that happens. And yet, it's packed with amazing truth for you and me. Uh, Jesus, they step forward, the, the guards, and they seize Jesus. And what does one of his companions do? Cuts off a man's ear, the servant of the high priest. And what does Jesus say? Yes, he says, put your sword back, because whoever lives by the sword will die by the sword. But then he says this. Don't you know that I can call on my father and he would send 12 legions of angels? How awesome is that? That's amazing, isn't it? Even more amazing? He didn't. He didn't call on the the legions of angels to come and defend him. He didn't call on his father to send legions upon legions to defend and get him out. He didn't run. Instead, what did your Savior do? He stood up and willingly walked into the darkness. He stood up and he went when he didn't have to. He stood up and went with, when in one word he could have destroyed them all. But he didn't. He got up and he walked into the darkness till he was completely consumed by it your third point today. Jesus let the darkness consume him so we can live in the light forever. Your Savior loves you so much that he got up and he walked into the darkness with the crowd even though he knew it meant that he would be beaten. He would be lied about, gossiped about, slandered. That he, he would be tortured, he would be whipped, he would be crucified. And on the cross, do you remember what happened? For three hours, the sun stopped shining as the darkness completely consumed him. Why? Because he was taking the penalty for all of our sins. And what is the penalty for sin? Hell itself, the darkest place that could ever be Hell consumed him. Why? So that you and I would never know what that is like. So that through faith in Jesus as your Savior, you will never experience the darkest place ever imaginable, and that is the darkness of hell. You will never experience it because Jesus was consumed by it for you. So that you can live in the light of heaven forever. 
The darkness consumed him to the point of dying, but the darkness could not overcome him because the light of the world rose from the dead and he is now sitting on his throne in heaven. And do you know what that means for you? It means that you're taking Jesus, the light of the world, on his throne, shines into your hearts as he comes to you with, with the message, your sins are forgiven. The dark deeds that you've done, how you've covered in the darkness and you've lived in the darkness, not in the truth, Jesus says your sins are forgiven. He shines in the darkness of death and he says you have nothing to fear because death no longer controls you. But the light of the world says that he will raise you from the grave one day so that you can live in the light of heaven forever. The, the light of the world shines into this world to say, I will guide you, I will lead you, and I will transform your heart as he shines his light into your heart, scattering the darkness of your sin and bringing transformation so that we no longer want to live in the darkness, no longer want to hide in our dark deeds, but we want our, the darkness of our sin to be exposed so that we can live in the light forever. And that's what your Savior does for you. He scatters the darkness so that you can live in the light forever. And so how do we go about this? What do we want to do? It's your last point. We want to reveal our dark deeds and rely on Jesus. Your Savior was consumed by the darkness of sin and, and hell so that you can live in the light forever. And what is it that leads us into the darkness of hell? It is sin. And so what do we want to do? We want to reveal that sin to our Savior. We want to let His light come into our hearts and confess our sin. And we want to be specific. Dear Savior, I once again gossiped about that person. Dear Jesus, I once again lusted after that person, thinking that I could do it because it's in my mind. Dear Jesus, I once again yelled at my family. Dear Jesus, I did this when no one else was watching, and I'm sorry. And then do you know what the, our Savior does? He shines his light, the gospel light, into your heart and says, your sins are forgiven. Walk in the light, live in the light, and be filled with all joy, peace, and hope because that comes from walking and living in the light of the forgiveness of sins that is yours through your Savior Jesus. So let's live in the light. Let's be children of the light. Let's refute the dark deeds that we're so tempted to do thinking we're getting away with it because our Savior Jesus was consumed by the darkness of sin for us that we may live in the light of heaven forever. God be with you as you do this. Let's pray. Gracious Savior Jesus, uh, what amazing love you have for us that you got up and you walked. You walked into the darkness of the, of the garden knowing full well that your betrayer would come, knowing full well that the crowd was coming. Uh, you did not run. You did not fight. You did not call down legions of angels to defend you. Instead, you walked. Uh, you willingly walked into the darkness, uh, not just all the darkness that this earth has to offer, 
but the dar- all the darkness that the devil has to offer, the darkness of hell, completely consumed you. And you did it all for us. What love you have for your people. And that includes us. We are filled with awe. We are filled uh, with all kinds of admiration for what you've done for us. We thank you. Uh, I ask that you help us to uh, send your Holy Spirit to help us confess our sins, to live in light, to live in the truth, uh, to take responsibility for what we have done uh, and confess it to you because we know that you promised to forgive our sins, that we have the light of heaven as our inheritance. And then send your Holy Spirit uh, so that we are motivated to live for you and walk in the light just as we've become children of the light through you. We thank you for your love. Continue to motivate us as we walk with you in the light now and forever. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.